ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Nightlife. News Breakdown. Well, there are just three sleeps left until the by-election in the electorate of Dunkley in Melbourne South East. Now, both the Albanese government and the opposition will be nervous here, uh, hoping for victory. I mean, some commentators have said Mr Dutton has to win this. But the government equally, although the record for governments in by-elections is not good, is also hoping for a good result and both sides preparing rationalisations in the case of defeat. To discuss what might be a very consequential weekend for the federal government's prospects at the next federal election, we're joined once again and for the first time in 24 by the ABC's Fran Kelly, political journalist, course presenter of Saturday Extra on RN and co-host of the Party Room podcast and also currently presenter of the Yours Queerly podcast, airing in the conversation slot this week on ABC Radio. Fran, good evening to you and welcome to Nightlife. Terrific to be back. Thanks, Philip. We'll talk about your latest podcast in a moment. But look, to the familiar stomping ground of federal politics first and Dunkley, hard seat to predict, everyone says. Uh, how come? I mean, it's this outer suburban seat in Melbourne, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's a hard seat to predict, I suppose, because it has been liberal, had been liberal for so long mm. until Peter Murphy stole it off and sort of against the trend in 2019 in, in um, the miracle election um, for Scott Morrison. Peter Murphy for Labor won that seat and then she held it last time. So, you know, up until then it had been pretty much liberal held. So, and, and it is that outer suburban seat that is exactly the sort that um, Peter Dutton is targeting. We know he's targeting it. He's identified that as the area, those areas in our capital cities as, um, you know, happy hunting ground for the coalition. He believes that they're falling out of love with Labor, even though particularly in, in Melbourne, um, Labor did very well and threatened the, the Liberals that do hold those seats um, last time around. So, you know, it, that's why they say it's hard. I actually think um, Anthony Albanese has more riding on this than Peter Dutton because that a 6.3% margin, you would, especially after they picked up Aston last, you know, early on in their, mm. in their term, that you would have to think that if all had been travelling well for Anthony Albanese and the government, they would hold on to this seat. Um, that's still the expectation, I think, but clearly both sides are worried. There are some in Labor I know who are worried. Um, the, the trend of the general polls is not great for Labor. They're not really doing much, to, certainly nothing, to shore up their primary vote, which is the lowest at the last election they've ever had. Um, so, you know, there's a few sort of tides against them, even though... They've had some big wins lately. You know, for instance, they've got the tax cuts through. They've got what, real wages growth for the first time in several years. Inflation's starting to come down. You know, things should be looking better for them they are, than they are. And uh, that's got Labor looking at themselves, at their sales job, at their leader. You know, I'm not saying there's any threat to Anthony Albanese. There certainly isn't. But I do think the weights are on Labor to hold this yeah. seat. Yes, that's true. The The government had hoped the change of mind perhaps on the Stage 3 tax cuts would work for them and the revised Stage 3 tax cuts indeed passed the Parliament this week. So you, that's there on the table for Dunkley. The Prime Minister uh, is hammering this hard and defending his decision to mm. change his mind. I think Labor's a bit surprised, aren't they, that there hasn't... They probably expected a bit more pushback, but there doesn't seem to have been any. Mr Albanese's on the uh, let's explain mode. The idea that we could sit back and ignore the clear recommendations that this was the best way that we could have an impact of providing that assistance to middle Australia without putting upward pressure on inflation 
we couldn't ignore that. Hmm. Yes, maybe, I don't know, is it too soon for it to have a bounce effect for Labor this Saturday? Um, I think the early polls showed that voters liked it. They all thought yeah. it was a good idea, something like the breakdown of figures for Dunkley. And, you know, I think we can judge by the timing that this was um, certainly something that Labor knew they had to do, decided they had to do, not just for Dunkley, but then when they were going to do it, they needed to get it done for Dunkley. 87% of workers in the Dunkley electorate get a bigger tax cut under the Labor plan than they were going to get under the original Stage 3 tax cuts. So, you know, it, it's certainly um, going to be popular, but that doesn't mean it's going to necessarily be enough to pacify voters who are just pissed off at the government because they're struggling with the cost of living. And that would be any government, whoever's in government at a time like this, when the hip pocket is hurting so much, which it really is, you know, these tax cuts, they'll be welcome. Have they registered Labor's given them bigger tax cut? Yes. Do they think that's nearly enough? No. Um, so I think that's what we're seeing. I think it will help Labor. I certainly don't think it'll it'll hurt them. I think I don't think it'll be um, just sort of, you know, no impact at all. Mm. I think it will help them. But, you know, whether it's going to help them as much as they hoped or needed, they're grumpy. <laughs> they are grumpy. And I heard some Vox Pops now. Vox Pops are very unscientific. We all know that. Uh, yes. But I did hear some Vox Pops out of Dunkley this week. And a couple of people mentioned the fact that the Prime Minister doesn't keep his word. Now, this is one one promise, one broken promise. It's it's a doozy, but it's one that favours most of the electorate. And um, and somehow that line is registering. So Peter Dutton and, and, the, and the opposition are pushing that hard. And I think... You know, that's going to be the danger longer term for Anthony Albanese if that if that takes hold, that narrative yeah, takes that, hold. Yeah, that's right. The opposition is trying to push this uh, hard. This is Jane Hume, the Shadow Finance Minister. While I know that Australians who are doing it tough right now will appreciate whatever money can go into their pocket, as little as it is, potentially only $15 a week, is that really enough to buy the Prime Minister's integrity back? I don't think so. Yeah, I know. Is, <laughs> do voters really care about this? I mean, I know the opposition is hammering it, but, but I don't know. I mean, is, that, is this an issue that... <laughs> that made me laugh hearing Jane Hume say that, you know, it's as little as it is, only $15. That $15 is going to people who are earning less than $45,000 who under the original coalition plan were getting nothing. So it may be little and it may be only $15, but it's $15 more than the coalition was going to give them. But, you know, all's fair in politics, I guess. Mm. <laughs> yeah, this week's Guardian Essential poll in relation to Mr Dutton show him, shows him at his highest job approval to date. I mean, he's... Mm. He's proven much more resilient than perhaps uh, some might have thought. Although I did, I did note that uh, some conservative commentators this week were s- suggesting that uh, he he really has to win Dunkley. Uh, I mean, it's quite. I, I, I don't know. Do you think he does? His position actually uh, seems stronger than it was uh, at the last election. Yeah, I think it is much stronger than people expected, and that's the old adage, isn't it? You know, don't. Don't write off uh, an opposition leader. We've had so many instances of that, haven't we? Oh, we have, yeah. unwinnable. You know, oh, he's, un- oh, he's un- un- unelect- said about unelectable. John Howard. That's right. That's right. They said it about Abbott. You know, and they've said it, said it about Peter Dutton, but he's proved very resilient. He's lethal with a line. He's had a bit of good luck, for instance, that High Court decision that meant the government had to let out all those uh, detainees um, from um, mm. immigra- from immigration detention, allowed the you know Peter Dutton and the coalition to be back on very familiar ground for them, which has worked well for them in the past, which is you know border security. That's allowed him to get this line out that Anthony Albany is weak, and I see through some of the polling that's resonated 
seems to have come through in some of the polling. And I think most frightening or most, not frightening, that would be overstating it, most perhaps concerning for Labor when it comes to a contest with coalition led by Peter Dutton is that, A, their primary vote, which was the lowest at the last election that's ever been, is not pumping up, it's not coming up, and B, that um, on indicators like who's best to handle the economy, who's best to handle national security, who's best with cost of living, Anthony Albanese was leading on those indicators, which are difficult indicators for Labor, and now he's fallen behind again. So, you know, Peter Dutton is is performing well as an opposition leader at this moment as referenced in the polls. Um, and I think, you know, he would love a win in Dunkley because that would really just underpin the sort of psychological boost they're having at the moment because of the raft of polls. And the same goes for Labor. They really haven't picked up since the, the popularity started and their support started dropping after The Voice. And they would really love a win here to go against the tide here to try and turn that around. Yes, indeed. They may be, that's right, they may be suffering some delays. And let's not forget, Anthony Albanese only has a one-seat majority. That's right, that's right. You know, and then yep. there's the Teals and all of those people come into play. So they may be suffering this some, is important. They may be suffering some delayed negativity from The Voice, but let's see. Yeah. All right, look, uh, on to another topic, and that's housing. The Greens have been um, hammering this hard. And, look, this is an issue that, that people are very engaged with. The Federal Government and the Greens have been wrangling over a help-to-buy housing scheme. Where up to forty thousand households would be able to purchase properties with just a two percent deposit, the government would contribute the remainder. But some new analysis of Commonwealth Bank data by investment firm Jardin Australia has revealed some pretty startling statistics. The average household income of home buyers has increased to two hundred and twenty thousand dollars. I mean, that's, that's a nearly forty percent jump from just four years ago. Fran, the cost of living, the cost of housing, they are big issues for Australians, aren't they? And really. Labor's not offering much, are they? Massive. Actually, neither side, neither major party is offering Well, neither offering side. Much. That's right. That's fair to, fair to it's observe. It's a hard mm. thing to offer much in that has quick results. Uh, federal governments don't, you know, they, they don't control rent policy and it's a state the state issue. We saw that National Cabinet get together on that last year, come up with some kind of move, um, but not enough to satisfy, certainly not the Greens, but probably not to give the relief to the renters either, who are really suffering. $220,000, um, you know, the, the the median price of, you know, ho- medium salary of home owners, it's gone up, as you said, 40% in four years. That's in the four years where real wages haven't gone up at all. Um, that's That's a lot. And this just really signifies, I think, what a tricky issue this is for the government. The Greens are playing merry hell with it. They're really pushing, you know, they're the party of renters. I think this could be very concerning for Labor at the next election unless they can find something in the year between now and the election or whenever, you know, roughly, uh, to to nullify this a bit um, because I think the Greens are really on to something here. And, you know, I was mentioning before Labor's primary vote at 33% really low, 33 34%. Um, we've got the Teals in the Parliament. We've got the Greens in balance of power positions. We've got the Greens ripping seats off um, Labor and Liberals, you know, inner city seats last time around. And if they strike gold with this sort of housing push, renters push, mm. then, you know, that's going to cause more pain for Labor. So they'll be looking at their left and their right flanks. Yes, the Prime Minister is pretty adamant about not dealing with uh, the Greens on these issues. The Greens went to the last federal election saying that they would have a shared equity scheme. Uh, This is good policy. This is about 
helping people into home ownership. Yeah, I mean, some people are saying, look, it's time for the government to actually say something big and substantive about an issue, as they say, that Australians are very concerned about. Uh, and that might, yeah, and, and that's got to be tax changes, doesn't it? Well, you know, tax changes. There's, there's some argument about whether changes to negative gearing. We've been through this a lot of times. Are actually much of a housing policy as much as they are uh, a revenue raising policy to fund other big promises like promises on education. We've been hearing the the education minister talking about this week, or the defence spending. You know, we've announced a whole lot more of that. We need to pay for this somehow, and there is an argument that some of these taxes are the way to do it. Whether they'll do much to cut the price of rents. You know, there is an argument they could take more houses out of the rental market. So, you know, there are split views on this. Um, so, so is that the answer? The government has put billions and billions and billions of dollars into housing policies since they've come in. But these things are slow. It's slow to build houses. It's slow to get the land and the planning approvals and get the houses built. And and even when they do that, it's still like this um, lend to buy scheme that would max out at 10,000 homes, 10,000 home buyers assisted per year, that's a drop in the ocean of the housing housing market or housing demand. So, you know, it's not a quick turnaround on housing, but the government somehow needs to bring together all they are doing and come up with something new and big. But I just can't see that they're going to go with negative gearing and and capital gains. You know, the memory of the 2019 election and the hammering <coughs> yeah. got with it, you know, is in... in deeply embedded in their DNA. Mm. Yes. Look, just finally, Fran, um, you've been busy for the last couple of months on a podcast project, yours queerly. It's been played out in the conversation slot this week on ABC Radio. I'm sure many people have probably come across it already. Uh, let's hear some from the podcast featuring journalist Narelda Jacobs, who was transfixed by RuPaul's drag race star Queen Kong, who had a lot in common, including a strict and challenging religious upbringing. Did you have Bible readings at the kitchen table? Yeah, we had Bible yes. readings. But we, yes. did, we were at the did you have Bible readings? Yes, Bible readings oh. at the kitchen table, usually after dinner. Um, Grace? Did you yeah, say Grace? Did, did you I still pray take... to this day, yeah. It's a part of my ritual. Like, and it's, what do you mean? Uh, For, like, before a meal? Oh, not before a meal, no. Okay. I eat too much. Like, <laughs> I've been there too long. Like, I've got no time. <laughs> Jehovah's Witness, you know, yeah. most of us perhaps experience it only in the sense of the people who knock at the door sometimes it is a day morning. Yes. Did you do that? Were you yeah. that level? We were, the, we were those annoying people that would come to you on an, at 9 o'clock in the morning on Saturday when you're hangover <laughs> and getting you to talk about Jesus Christ. But I, I think, you know, we were at church like four times a week. You know, we had Sundays, th- Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturday um, door knocking, Sunday at church as well. And I just remember going, I hate this. I've <laughs> hate also door knocked. Oh. You've door knocked too. Yes, I've door knocked as well with um, mission, you know, missionaries, missionaries in training. Wow. Youth, youth with the mission was the organisation. We had like um, many people come and stay with us. It was like a, a a camp, a training ship or something. And so we have got a we had. I grew up on a big block of land, and uh, we had a big shed, and there were all these beds for all these missionaries in training that came wow. from around the world. And so I would be paired with with some of them. I was only about twelve. <laughs> Yeah, there's new episodes tomorrow and Friday. You've had some cracking ones already, uh, Fran, including, of course, given the joyous news tonight that the Matildas are off to the Olympics uh, with a crushing win over Uzbekistan. Uh, You had had a taste of that yourself this week, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, we got lucky with that one. I I, I talked to Michelle Heyman and Katrina Gorry, two Matildas, um, just a few days before their first 
Olympic qualifier in Uzbekistan there at the training camp in Dubai before they, they flew in for the match. And um, Michelle Heyman, of course, an absolute goal fest tonight mm-hmm. against Uzbekistan. So, you know, she's she's going to be on the road to Paris, I think, pretty for sure. And that was a lovely conversation because she'd been out of the squad for five years. She's 35. Her and Katrina Gori are best friends. But for five years with Katrina in the squad and travelling and, and living overseas, and playing in top leagues around the world. And Michelle here, she actually left the game for a few years and she's just come back to it. Um, it was They're just so excited to be in the same camp again and training again and now they're on the pitch together. And it was a really beautiful conversation and it got very emotional too because both of them had some dark times there at the time a few years back when uh, you remember there, the coach got fired and there was an inquiry mm. and found a, a terrible culture of, of bullying and um, unhappiness there in the squad and those two who were really experienced that. So it was a very, it was a terrific conversation, as was that one with Narelda and Queen, because they didn't actually know each other. They just admired each other from afar. So this was the first time they'd been in the room having a conversation. Queen is a six foot five drag queen who who is of Samoan descent, who was on track to be an all black before she chose modern dance and has ended up you know, as a star of RuPaul's Drag Race Down mm. Under. <laughs> and they just had this amazing conversation where they found all these things they had in common, including that deeply, deeply religious background. It was just great. It's been great. Good fun. And more coming up tomorrow and Friday. All right, Fran. And Fran- podcasts. They're podcasts, so you can get it anytime on the ABC exactly. Listen app or, or any podcast platform. Exactly, exactly. Fran, terrific to talk, as always. Um, Thanks, Philip. And, uh, yes, more joy. Thank you. See ya. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.